Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant. And from evening until morning, it was over the tabernacle, having the appearance of fire. It was always so. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, then the Israelites would set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the Israelites would camp. At the command of the Lord, the Israelites would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they would remain in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the Israelites would keep the charge of the Lord and would not set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they would remain in camp. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they would set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they would set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle resting upon it, the Israelites would remain in camp and would not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the command of the Lord, they would camp, and at the command of the Lord, they would set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. If there is one thing that we want in life, it is clarity. This is why all the television and camera and cell phone makers keep creating products with higher and higher pixel counts because we want them to be crystal clear. We also want to see clearly so that we are able to make the best decisions about all the important things in our lives. Where to go to college, what to major in, what job to take, which person to marry, how to invest our money, which church to attend or listen to online. These days, many of us are desperately trying to find some clarity about what to do with our children before we all go crazy in the house together. In our businesses, we want clarity about where to put our capital, how to advertise, whom to hire, how to adapt to a changing world. As churches, we want clarity about where to engage in mission, how to worship, what changes we ought to make in order to reach new people, which pastors we ought to call, when to stay open, and when to shut doors. Right now, we all want clarity. 
about when the threat of the coronavirus will be over and we can get back to normal life again. And as we go through life, we often pray that God would grant us clear vision and discernment so that we are able to choose wisely, so that we can make the right decisions in order that our lives and our businesses and our churches go the way we want them to go, so that we can get to the places we think we should be when we think we should be there. Ah, but therein lies the rub. You see, anyone who has been on this journey of faith for very long has probably figured out by now that clarity is not always waiting for us at the completion of all of our prayers and devotions, like a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Perhaps that is because much of our desire for clarity is really a veiled grasping for control. Remember the toilet paper? But we want to make sure that God works things out exactly the way we want them, according to our plans, our goals, our desires, and we're always willing to give him a little help to get there if needed. Oh, sure, we might pray, thy will be done each week in worship, but if we're really being honest, what we often mean is, my will be done. And so sometimes God takes us on a long and uncertain journey to help us discover the truth that it is God alone who is in control, God alone who knows what is best for us, God alone who provides, and God alone who can lead us to the place of promise where abundant life can be found. Throughout this season of Lent, we have been following the Israelites on their long wilderness journey from Egypt to the promised land. When we last saw them, they were at the foot of Mount Sinai, where the presence of God descended in lightning and thunder, clouds and fire, and the Lord spoke his commandments to his people. Then Moses had gone up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights to receive the two tablets containing God's commands, leaving the people down below with a great deal of uncertainty. They didn't know when he was coming back or how long they would be stuck there in the desert. They didn't know when their food supply would run out or when the next threat to their lives would come. And when faced with such uncertainty, they did what human beings typically do. They found a new God to worship the golden calf, a God that they could control, that would go where they wanted it to go and do what they wanted it to do. And when Moses came down the mountain and saw it, he threw down the tablets in his anger, shattering them into pieces, and he had to go back up the mountain again to receive another copy. When Moses returned, the Israelites built the Ark of the Covenant where they placed the tablets And then they built the tabernacle, a tent where the ark itself would be kept. And then the presence of the Lord came off the mountain and descended upon the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud and fire, a visible, if intangible, sign of the presence of God among his people. When the cloud would lift up from the tabernacle, the Israelites would strike their camp and follow where the cloud would go. When the clouds settled back onto the tabernacle, the Israelites would set up camp around it with the presence of the Lord right in the center. And Moses would go in and meet with God and receive instructions for the people. 
But when the cloud lifted up from the tabernacle, the people would pack up once again and follow wherever the presence of the Lord would lead them. Sometimes the cloud would stay for the night and move again in the morning. Sometimes it would be there for weeks on end. But no matter how long it took, the Israelites would remain in place, waiting upon the Lord. And so God was teaching the Israelites to trust and obey. For the journey through the wilderness was long and hard, and no one knew when it was going to be over. It was as if God was trying to teach the people that the life of faith is as much about faithfulness and who we are becoming along the way as it is about the destination. Like the Israelites, you too are on a journey. Maybe it is a journey of growing a family or building a career or discovering your life's purpose or even finishing the last chapter of your life well. We are all on the road to something, even if we're not quite sure what the destination looks like. The journey might seem longer than you thought it would be when you started out, and you too have had struggles and faced obstacles along the way. But until you learn to see all of these things as a part of your journey with God and ask what it is that God is trying to teach you through them, then you will never learn to recognize how and when and where God is moving in your life. And when you learn to see that and respond in faithful obedience, only then will you ever understand why you are here and arrive at the destination God has waiting for you. Now, along their journey through the wilderness, the Israelites were fairly clear about a few things. They certainly remembered their past, where they had come from, even if they often looked back at it through rose-colored glasses, something we are all prone to do. But sometimes they even longed to go back to Egypt where they had been slaves because the uncertainty of the journey of faith and the challenges of the road were often too hard for them. And yet they did also remember all the mighty acts of God that had set them free from Pharaoh, events that would be retold again and again throughout Israel's history to remind the people of God's faithfulness in the past. But the Israelites also had some idea about their future, of where they were going. God had promised that he was going to lead them to the land of Canaan, where they would live and thrive and have an abundant life, just as their ancestors Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had done. And the people clung to that vision of hope as they trudged day after day through the wilderness. But while they were in the midst of the journey, each day seemed like one big nebulous pillar of uncertainty, much like the cloud that they were following. They didn't know where they would set up camp or how long they would be stuck there in a place they did not want to be. And the wilderness journey was monotonous and uncomfortable and they were fearful of so many things along the way, just as they had been at Mount Sinai. Sound familiar to anyone? 
And so every day confronted the Israelites with a choice, a choice of where they would put their trust. Would they choose their own path, relying on their own wisdom and insight, their own resources, tempted by their uncertainty to abandon the journey and one another? Would they choose another new God like the golden calf, one who would not make such demands upon them? Or would they choose to continue to trust in the Lord, even in the midst of their fear and uncertainty, remembering God's faithfulness in the past and clinging to the hope of God's promised future that lay somewhere vaguely on the road ahead? That was not easy to do along the wilderness road where the challenges that the Israelites faced each day tempted them to forget the past and doubt the future. For even though they knew that the Lord was there with them, when they looked to God for answers and for clarity, all they saw was a cloud. And clouds are so, well, cloudy amorphous, mysterious, unclear. It is there, but not something you can grab onto like the handlebars on a roller coaster. And I can't help but wonder if that isn't part of the lesson God was trying to teach his people along the way. As Craig Barnes writes, when it comes to our relationship with God, the thing we most often ask for is clarity. We want to know if we should take option A or option B. We want to know the right position on the issues, and we want to be certain that God is on our side. We want to be sure that nothing bad is going to happen to us. We say we are just trying to discern the will of God, but what we mean is that we want to be certain. But every time we reach for certainty from God, all we grasp is a cloud God will not be handled, and if you are going to believe that he is with you, it is going to take faith. In his book, Ruthless Trust, author Brennan Manning recounts a story about the Jesuit ethicist John Cavanaugh, who took a sabbatical for three months in Calcutta to work with Mother Teresa. He went in search of clarity of how best to spend the rest of his life. Upon meeting the saint, she asked him, what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. Mother Teresa responded, what do you want me to pray for? He voiced the question he had come thousands of miles to say, pray that I have clarity. She replied, no, I will not do that. Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to, and it must be let go of. Kavanaugh claimed that she always seemed to have the clarity for which he longed. She laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Again, the reason we are so desperate for clarity is that we want to be certain. And most of us wish we could have more certainty about our faith. 
But the truth is, there is little that could be more damaging to your faith than certainty. For you see, certainty takes away your freedom to make choices. And God loves you far too much to take away your ability to choose because love is always a choice. And what is faith really in the end but the choice to love God and to trust that God is with you even when the road is long and hard and it feels like you are following a cloud. So as we continue through this bizarre experience of the coronavirus, each day we too are confronted with a choice. Will we choose fear or anger or disappointment or self-absorption? Or will we choose to trust in the loving, if mysterious, God of grace revealed not just in a cloud, but in the person of Jesus Christ who came and tabernacled among us, the word of God made flesh. And he has promised that he will be with us always, even to the end of the quarantines. How long will this all last? We don't know. Will there be more challenges along the way? Probably. But as long as Jesus is with us, then we can make it through the wilderness together. So as we are all struggling in the midst of the coronavirus epidemic, our lives put completely on hold, fears running rampant, limited in supplies, struggling with the disappointment of canceled schools and vacations and other important events, desperate for answers and for clarity about what is happening, not knowing how long we will be camped out in place or when we will ever make it to the promised land of normalcy. Let us, too, remember God's faithfulness in the past when God has demonstrated his love and his grace and his provision and his presence time and time again, for God has already brought each of us through many dangers, toils, and snares. And let us continue to look forward with hopefulness, trusting that our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is still with us, leading us to a place with green pastures and still waters and a future filled with hope. Only then will we be able to make it through each day and overcome the fears and the challenges of the present as we seek to discover what it is that God is trying to teach us along the way, which is actually where the abundant life can be found for those who have learned to pay attention. I close with the words of Psalm 40 written by King David who knew all about being stuck alone in the wilderness with an enormous amount of uncertainty. But it was there that he learned to put all of his trust in God. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. 
He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust. Amen.